You're listening to 3CR Radio. How could I forget how I met you on that day? You were from a planet so far in outer space. But we were attracted and then we connected and we felt that magic. The time went by for you and I and then I had to leave. I thought you were my shooting star and we were meant to be. My one in a million, I blinked my eyes and then you're gone.
Michael Butera there, Space Alien, a new single that dropped today. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. On today's show, actor Kristen Smythe joins us about the gospel according to Jesus, Queen of Heaven. But in the meantime, we do have Michael Butera on the line. Michael, welcome back to the program. Thanks, James. Great to be here. Great to have you on board. I love your new single. Tell us about the backstory that led you to write Space Alien. Um, Basically, it was just... um I love kind of writing in metaphors, and it was just something I'd I'd kind of gone through. It basically, it's just a, a love story and a, or a love song, if you like. Um, but it, it has a bit of a meaning for me because it's uh, someone that I live so far away from me, someone who I care about very dearly, um, and it just felt like a whole other world away. And that kind of just kind of came to my mind one day because that was how I was feeling, and it kind of just kind of snowballed from there, and it kind of wrote itself after that like all great songs do. You've written so many songs. You've written hundreds of songs. You've been writing since you were 11. What kind of process did you go through to write Space Alien? Was there anything different about this track? Um, not really. It was... It was um, I always say that, like, the songs I'm most proud of, and I'd like to think that this one would be, would be one of them in, in, that, in that category, um, the ones that I'm most proud of tend to write themselves in a very short amount of time. So it's almost little work because the inspiration and everything just keeps flowing. And it's very, very easy, I should say. You know, it's not difficult at all. Like, I just come up with an idea and then the music and melodies and lyrics, they all just kind of, (laughs) it just kind of comes together. I I don't even remember it being difficult at all or or taking too long. It just kind of, uh, yeah, it just happens really fast. And you love writing ballads. That seems to be your forte. Um, I do. I do have a very soft spot for for a good ballad. Um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I do enjoy writing all other styles as well, and even a good up tempo number. But um, I do have a, a soft spot for ballads. I've, I enjoy singing them as well. So um, that's one of the motivations behind it. And your last couple of releases have been ballads. Has that been because you've got more control over your career now as a musician and songwriter that you're setting your own direction? Yeah, kind of. I was previously based over in Canada where I worked with some record labels uh, for, I was there for about seven years. And while I was there, yeah, I didn't have as much control as um, I would have liked, but I was fine with it at the time because, uh, you know, when you're trying to break into the industry, you're kind of willing to make some sacrifices and do what you need to do to try and get your foot in the door. But at the same time now, I'm, uh, I just feel, I feel like just writing things that I'm, that I love and I just write stuff to please myself and you know if if people love it then that's just a bonus but I feel like when you keep trying to write for other people or trying to please labels or just anyone in general it's just so much harder because it doesn't it's not genuine it doesn't come from the heart now that I'm just writing for myself and writing stuff that I that I really love to listen to and also love to sing um it's just it's just a whole lot more fun do you find the degree of difficulty is kind of, you know, increasing with the songs that you're writing because as you mature, your voice is getting stronger and better? Um, yes, yes. I, I do find there are lots of challenges with writing just in general as you, as you go on, especially to, for me it's more, more about life situations and where you are in life. Um, I always find it that... Um, the more inspiration you have, the more life that you're living, um, the easier it is to kind of find that inspiration and write songs. 
But sometimes when you're in a bit of a repetitive uh, routine of a lifestyle, I find that a lot more uh, difficult to kind of really um, replicate that in your riding. Well, for me, it does anyway. Everyone's different, of course, but for me, that's how I found it. Yeah, right. So how did you prepare your voice to, to sing Space Alien when you went into the studio? Like, do you do exercises? Like, do you find that, you know, you have to train your voice like you're going to the gym almost? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the smallest muscles in your body, so you definitely need to you need to keep them uh, strong and fit. You need to always warm them up, when, especially when you're going to record something. You want to make sure that you're <laughs> on your game, you know. Um but yeah, essentially, yeah, it's just like warming up, exercising, exactly like you said. It's like going to the gym, you know, you've got to make sure you're on top of it. So what other new material do you have in the wings? Is Space Alien part of an album? Um, I would like to think it's part of an EP, yeah, but that's a, just a little bit further down the track. Um, that's definitely something on the cards, though. Like, it's something that I do think about. Um, but there'll probably be um, another single or two before the end of the year for sure. Your last single, The Green Garden, which we featured on the show last July, made the uh, top 10 of the uh, UK LGBTI charts. That must have been a big thrill. Yeah, it was. It was really exciting. I was I was absolutely thrilled that uh, to be part of that, uh, to be included in that community and, um, yeah, so far away from home. So it was really, it was very cool, yeah. So are those charts based on airplay at, uh, you know, queer radio stations over there, such as Pride and uh, Glorious FM in the UK? I think it's based on, yeah, some airplay, but also voting as well. They do have a voting system on the website, um, which I was super, super impressed with um, to be to be voted in by people. Um, so, yeah, look, it, it must be a combination of things, I'm assuming. You know, I mean, you get some airplay and then... People vote for it, I guess. So it was really, really overwhelming just to make it in. What's been the transition like, you know, you emerging as an openly queer musician, songwriter? Uh, Do you find that you have to start from scratch again? Like, what are some of the challenges and difficulties you've faced? Um, To be honest, I haven't really really felt any big challenges or, or anything like that. It's been a pretty smooth, um, pretty smooth transition, pretty pretty easy going to be honest everyone's just like nothing's different which is great in a way you know because you you know you just want to keep making music and make everything uh, uh transparent and make it more about music than anything else so no it's been really good and that must be a great relief yeah of course yeah it's good just to to do what you love and uh, to make it about music and nothing else you know that's that's great Last time we chatted, you talked about how you love being in theatre musicals. Uh, anything on the horizon there? Um, I would, I would love to. Honestly, I'm dying to get back on stage. I do enjoy um, doing a theatre show. There's nothing, there's nothing coming up at the moment. Just, just simply because uh, you know Melbourne. I think Melbourne's getting back into the swing of things with theatre. So there's not a lot of, not a lot of shows going on. But I, I feel like in the next six months, things will, things will pick up. Uh, and again, even more. So, fingers crossed that that uh, that, that happens. You just said you you're really hanging out to do live performances. Um, you know, you, you're getting a bit of cabin fever, you know, because you want to get on stage so much. And what's planned? Yeah, I do. I, I'm I'm very keen to get out there. I'm still preparing a lot of things, trying trying to create the perfect set list and everything. But definitely, um, in the next couple of months. 
I'm, I'm really hoping to start, get out there and um, have some shows on around the city. Um, it would be just great to be back out and on stage again, where I feel most at home. So fingers crossed for that one as well. So you're working on the perfect set list. It sounds like you're a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I mean, not to a crazy degree, but enough to just kind of uh, make sure I, I cover all uh, all bases to make sure that I'm really satisfied with what with what I've got and what I put on. You know, just want to be happy. That's all. So I guess we'll be we'll be hearing some of your new stuff as well when you when you do perform some stuff that perhaps uh, hasn't been released uh, that might be part of this EP. Yeah, absolutely, definitely, one hundred percent. Fantastic. Well, Michael, congratulations on Space Alien. It's a great track. Drops today. Uh, how can people get it? Uh, yeah, all, all your normal uh, streaming services and iTunes Store, uh, Amazon, Spotify, Apple Music, you know, all the, everything that's out there. <laughs> awesome stuff. Michael Patira, thank you so much for talking to me today on 3CR. I really appreciate it. Thanks, James. Michael Patira, there you are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio. And here's Wham with the remix of Freedom. I don't want your freedom. I don't need to play around. I don't want nobody, baby. Part-time love just brings me down. I don't want your freedom. I don't want to play.
Well, Kristen Smythe is the star of the Gospel According to Jesus, Queen of Heaven, which is showing as part of Midsummer. And I spoke with her this week. <laughs> well, so this is my first performance. <laughs> I'm, uh, I met Kitan uh, Pekowski, who's our beautiful director, uh, when we were both at the VCA a couple of years ago. And I was there doing the writing masters, so as a playwright. And Kitan asked me to read this beautiful play that Joe Clifford had written, and uh, so I did. And uh, and he was asking me as a trans woman to take a look at it and to give him some notes. So I did that. And then he said, could you read it out loud? So I did that. And then he said, hmm, could you do this on stage? <laughs> and I think I, I must make a note the next time I must uh, pay more attention to the detail because I said, sure, thinking that I would continue to read the thing on stage. But now, as we are one year and a bit later, I have... Um, 4,727 words memorised, and I know this because I've mem- I've counted them. <laughs> so it's truly groundbreaking for you as it is a groundbreaking production with the issues it explores. You know, it's funny, embodying the text is the easy part for me. <laughs> Knowing, figuring out that I could learn lines, that, that was the challenge. And then uh, I had my first experience at the uh, Midsummer Showcase festival last saturday um the trades hall i had my first experience of um standing on stage and being hit by the spotlight and it was like oh that's interesting i can't see anybody (laughs) (laughs) but um we've done so much work it's it's extraordinary we've got we've got we got an osco grant so we were able to put in quite a bit of rehearsal time get an amazing company of creatives around us including a most beautiful choir and um and we've just we've just done the work you know this is this is a lot of preparation we've spoken to joe on uh, various digital platforms um she's back in scotland in lockdown and it's just been amazing amazing community amazing um you know renata uh is over in she performs jesus over in well i was going to say brazil but basically the whole of america because she's performed in new york and also all over the place and um we're all we're all linked together it's an extraordinary thing and there must be an incredible authenticity about having an actor who's a first time a novice actor playing the role was that an intentional decision by the producers and the director I'm going to ask them that. Um, I, I mean, I'm a trans woman, so they uh, they were asking me for, I guess, my um, my lived experience perspective, and um, I I was happy to give that. And the the text just spoke to me. I mean, I read it. I took it home and I read it, and then I read it out loud for Katan, and I and I could feel myself being moved by it as I as I did that first reading and um, something must have clicked for Kitan and he just said oh could you could you do this um, and you know it's so one of the things I've considered is that whilst I'm in the middle of the beautiful theatre work space um, and I love I love what they've done there um, I love the connection that you feel with the audience the audience are all sat in their plastic booths perspex glass and it's like a cabaret audience but they're all there and then you can get to talk to each of them on each side 
And I was thinking about what it might be if someone in that audience wasn't sure if they were trans or wasn't sure if they were non-binary or wasn't sure if there was just something queer about them, but they hadn't quite been able to articulate what it was. And for me, I had that question kind of nagging away at me for years and I didn't have permission to pursue it, to pursue that inquiry until it became too painful to not do it. So if I can make it easier for one person in our audience to address that question, then I will be extremely happy. Tell us about the journey that you've been on as a gender diverse person that led you into this amazing role in the gospel according to Jesus, Queen of Heaven. I, my partner and I have been together for um, about six, seven years now. And she was on Burke Street when the horrific uh, driver ploughed through people. She made a decision to take one step up onto the H&M steps instead of walking down towards Flinders Street. And um, we, we, we both suffered a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder as a result of that. And in my, in my counselling, my therapist, after one session, started talking to me about um, family and about my relationship with my mother and uh, had diagnosed me as potentially trans after two sessions and asked me at one point, have you ever considered that you might be transgender? And it is not a question I've ever had asked of me. Um, And as soon as she said it, I just, I said, no, but I know that that is the thing. Um, I, uh, I, I just knew. I just knew. And so suddenly all of the things that I'd had little questions about over the many years all were revisited. It's a bit like that moment where Darth Vader says to Luke, as Luke is hanging on in Empire Strikes Back, Luke, I am your father. And you go back and revisit every single moment in two, well, nearly two um, Star Wars movies to, to, to recalibrate how all that information works. And that was for me, have you ever considered you might be transgender? And I had to recalibrate my entire life with this new information. <laughs> How quickly did you kind of process that and embark on your journey as a gender diverse person, as a trans person? I well, because I because it was it was absolutely clear straight away that that was the missing piece in a very long and complicated puzzle. Um, I uh, and and I have to say, I mean, my partner Suzanne has been the most extraordinary support, love. I I have been able to experience unconditional love in a way that I think I hadn't ever realized before. I think I've been grown up in a family where conditional love was the traditional way that we were um, raised. And uh, to have that form of of support, unconditional love and support, so that helped me. And uh, and then I just started to um, ask questions. And I have to say, being in Victoria and Melbourne in particular, at this time with a government that is making it possible for um, gender diverse people like myself to talk to um, you know, professionals, to, talk, to have a health service. I have a health service that is geared towards my needs. It's amazing. 
um, you know, in the UK, back in London, where I'm, where I was born and where I'm from, if you have this moment where you realise that you may be gender diverse, you may be trans, you may be non-binary, you're not sure, and you want to start talking to a health professional, the waiting time is about eighteen months, and it is extremely much, much longer, shall we say, before you can start. Um, any form of medical treatment or whether it's hormones or testosterone whatever it might be um so i'm very i'm very grateful i'm really grateful to be in this in this country in this state in this city and of course so often you know trans characters are played by cis people and it wouldn't have been that long ago possibly where a role like yours was indeed played by a cis person i don't think that would cut it with the melbourne midsummer audience i think that you know it's imperative to have a trans person in the role for the uh, piece of work's credibility oh absolutely i don't think it cuts it anywhere anymore i mean i know they try i think they had an incident in new zealand recently where they tried to put on a show with a cis performer rather than a trans performer um and the artistic community railed against it and, and well done to them for that and i think it's brilliant that, uh, that we support each other in all of these um in all of these issues um authenticity is so important i think also you know the audience can spot a fake and um it's important that the stories that we tell are true and they make a connection because that's, for me, that's the magic. You know, somebody asked me, um, what's the difference between film and TV and theatre? And I feel like it's because in theatre, you're being witnessed. You're being witnessed by an audience. And that's a moment where the audience make a decision. Is this believable or isn't it? Am I moved by this or aren't I? Is this funny? Is this tragic? Is this all of those things that we go to the theatre to to explore? And it's a visceral connection. Um, and so you have to have you have to have a trans performer in this role. Um, and it's such a gorgeous role. I mean, yeah, I am I am so lucky to get this role. <laughs> It sounds almost biblical how you're describing this. You know, your journey as a trans person was kind of a revelation and now you're on this incredibly kind of, you know, demanding role that just, you know, requires authenticity in order for it to be believed. A bit like almost the second coming. It's um, <laughs> There's biblical undertones to this almost. It's epic undertones, absolutely. And um, uh Rachel Levington has composed a musical score that um, absolutely pays tribute to um, biblical epic um, connotations. I have four choir members, beautiful Willow, Mel, Tom and Sherry, and they are, they're on stage with me. They, they, um, they stand like a, like a, like a beautiful guard and on each of the four sides and their voices just lift the whole thing. They lift me. I'm goodness knows what they're going to do to people in their booths, but they lift me and uh, they just give me the space to, to fly. I really feel like, yes, I, so much of my own story is wo weaved or woven into the text. And I guess that's because Joe has got a similar sort of, um, similar sort of lived experience she she came out as trans a bit later in life like i have and had quite a lot of 
frustration that in her own community. She was a theatre maker and then was almost ostracised for a period of time in Britain for being trans. And so that that was my experience in my own family. And I think um, that's something that we bring to the to the to the play and we bring to the space and the, the choir just give it an extraordinary orchestral feel i feel like i'm on, i'm on a movie set you know it's amazing <laughs> tell us about some of the controversies around the world that the gospel according to jesus queen of heaven has attracted oh well so when it was first put on in scotland um there were about 30 seats it was in a tiny little space, tiny little um, space in in, uh, in Glasgow, and um, there were about a hundred people every night outside. There were more people complaining about something they hadn't seen outside than daring to walk across the threshold and go inside and take a look and explore. And um, then it went to Brazil, I think, in 2016, and um, you know we now know what. Bolsonaro is capable of doing over there, and but that that kind of um, you know, in order to get elected, there needs to be a significant number of people that I suppose are engaged and believe in his bizarre worldview, and those sort of people took huge umbrage against the idea that there could be a trans woman, Renata Cavallo, playing the role of Jesus. So the show in Brazil was she had death threats. A bomb was placed under the stage in north northern Brazil when they went to a festival up there. Um, mayors tried to shut the place, the place down. Uh, at one point, the staff, security staff, had to clear all the space, get rid of the stage, get rid of the chairs, and everyone outside basically said, no, we're not going to accept this, and they pushed past the security, and they stood in front of, what was left of the stage and they demanded that the performance continue and went on and you know that's that's the kind of energy that um the brazilian performers and and audience have have brought to this so it's become a social justice call to action a creed decor for um huge swathes of society to to embrace and realize that that they're not alone there is a focal point, a rallying point. And, you know, we're seeing that in so many social and civil rights movements now across the world, not least in the UK, in the UK, in the US. We're seeing it in the UK as well, but in the US, obviously, in the last in the last few years. And, yes, people have had enough and people have been fighting for a long time, but there is something about seeing other communities rising up and it gives you permission to do the same in a peaceful way. Do you see this production as a bit of a rallying cry to activists around Australia who are very concerned about the return of our federal government's religious discrimination legislation, but also the incredibly transphobic education bill that we're seeing being pushed by Mark Latham's uh, One Nation Party in New South Wales? Well, I think I was reading and watching some of Teddy Cook's uh, evidence last week in front of that that committee. and you know to see teddy take on those awful and very 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 blinded um and opinionated um politicians and their and their sense that they can rub us out 
and shut us down and slam the door on the possibility that anything in this world is is different to their worldview. You know, Teddy's witness statement has gone around the country as a as a, an example of courage, as a, a real life example of what it is to say no, no, this is not going to happen. And I stand before you and say, you know, that what you're doing is cruel, unkind, and wicked. And um, and I think that you know we have a beautiful history in this country of of protest. You know, I worked for Bob Brown for a few years as a health advisor, and Bob told us the story of when he first came out as queer. The the Tassie, whatever the newspaper is down there, rang him and said, "Tomorrow there's going to be a story that says that out to you as Doctor Bob Brown, the queer doctor." And he went out and saw every single one of his patients to to tell them personally that this was going to have run in the stories tomorrow. And he just wanted to let them know that he would, you know, he he hoped that they would still be his patient, and all of them were. But he told us how people drove by and stubbed cigarettes out on him as they drove past him. But it didn't dissuade him. And he, for me, has been a beautiful example of someone who stands in front of the storm and says no. Um, and, and that's what this play is. That's what I hope I can do in the middle of that beautiful stage is, is be an example of that. I mean, I've worked in – I set up the big issue in the U.K., as a, as a humble production editor and to work with homeless people there and to to go and work in, in foreign countries as an aid worker. I, I've always done this sort of thing, but now I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for us. I'm doing it on an issue that is my issue. It's our issue. And uh, we can we can do amazing things if we stand together. Of course, the timing of this production is exquisite when our Prime Minister Scott Morrison's been very overt the last few weeks about his religious views. Uh, do you wish the Prime Minister would see your production and, and you know, get educated about trans and gender diverse issues to stop these attacks? It would be wonderful. I've actually met the Prime Minister. I met him when he was Social Services Minister and I was doing some work with Professor Pat McGorry. Um, he, uh, you know, he... Um, he has his he has his view, doesn't he, on things? Um, I think I think one I think you have to be able to counter it with intelligence and with humour and with humanity. You know, it, I have nothing against people who have a religious view on things. I think that's fabulous, and religion does a lot of good. It, it did a lot of damage in our life as Irish Catholics. We were we were told to um, yeah. There was a, there were a lot of ways of interpreting the old and new testament that were not healthy let's put it that way um but uh if you start to use religion as as a banner or as permission to rub other people out then you have missed the point of religion you know it's not a it's not a script that allows you to to determine good and bad wrong and right evil and and and, and you know and the the other side of that coin you know we're all human beings and if we're all human beings we're all part we're all god's people we're all doing god's work none of us are more special and different than the others and um there's too much puff chests out there in our politics 
and there's too few platforms where people are allowed to actually speak truth. So it's very dangerous if we only give a platform to certain viewpoints, shall we say, whether it's Latham's or Morrison's. Um, and, you know, those those people that get that need to hear, I suppose, my story, this, this radio show is a beautiful opportunity. I'm very privileged to be in a, in a position where I can articulate something that maybe somebody walking down the street with a group of kids coming the other way who want to poke fun at that person, they don't feel that they have that permission and, and authority and power to say, that's not, that's not right. This isn't fair. This isn't being human. This certainly isn't being loving and blessing and beautiful and kind. So yeah, I'd love the I'd love the prime minister to come and have a he could have a booth all to himself, and we could all watch him watching us. I find the booths absolutely fascinating. Tell us a bit more about that concept and how it works. It's so good. I love that Theatre Works made a decision very early on that they were going to provide a COVID safe space because you know back in I suppose October before October September. Um, we had no idea how this thing was going to roll out. We had no idea. We certainly didn't know that we'd have all these vaccines coming on. Um, so Theatre Works, like every other theatre company in the country, had to make a decision about how they were going to um, roll out and make it possible for, for artists to put on performances. And so they, they decided to create 48 seats inside a number of booths, three uh, four and six, I think, is the is you can or maybe even a two, two, three, and a four and a six. Um, I just know that there isn't a booth for one person, unless it's the prime minister. He can sit on his own, um, and you sit there and you get to watch the show unfold a little bit below you. So it's like being in a very tight football ground back in London, back in the days when West Ham had a decent football ground at Upton Park, and you can watch the game unfold. And you can see the opposition audience on the other side and you can give them one or two useful handy hints about how you think things are going. Um, so it's almost like a coliseum. It's quite, it's quite marvellous. And, um, you know, the shows, all the shows there have sold out. They've done really well. And uh, Di and the team down at Theatre Works have been able to pack out so many different performers have had a chance to put something on. And that is such a gift for us as creatives because like everyone we were uncertain about whether we would ever have a space that was safe for us to be able to put on work again in the midst of the of the lockdown that we all experienced here last year Kristen smart thank you so much for chatting with me today on 3cr it's been an absolute joy thank you so much for having me thank you and you can see Kristen in the Gospel According to Jesus, Queen of Heaven, happening as part of Midsummer. Melbourne's LGBTIQ Festival, it's absolutely fabulous. Check it out. All right, you are on In Your Face on 3CR with James. Here's Queen of Japan covering Kiss. Give it all to you in the dark. 
Cross there covering the Carpenters yesterday once more. You are on In Your Face on 3CR with James, and here's Aretha Franklin covering Adele. And it's bringing me out of the dark The scars I'm gonna 
Aretha Franklin there. I'm out of here. Jacob's up next with a Friday rave. Thanks heaps to our guests taking us out. Ah, the gossip with Pop Goes the World. We'll catch you next week on In Your Face.
In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook.